When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We have one of the newest Tennessee Titans, Matthew Jackson, on the show with us. And when Dad joins me, we'll talk NFL Draft Recap and some Major League Baseball news. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to an all new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast presented by Righteous Felon Jerky. If you want the best Jerky in the game. You need to go right to the source. Uh, Righteous Felon Jerky partnered with the best natural black Angus beef producers in the land to lock up a supply and guarantee the best tasting, best textured, and freshest beef jerky on the market. Visit RighteousFelon.com. Use the promo code BELLYUP. You're going to get 15% off your purchase. Again, that's RighteousFelon.com. Code BELLYUP for 15% off your purchase and folks, we've got a great show in store for you here tonight. Uh, typically, my dad joins me, and he will join us a little bit later in the program as well. And we'll talk NFL draft and Major League Baseball news as well. But we're going to start off today with a special guest. He's been on the Sports Stove Local Hour several times, and he is the newest addition to the Tennessee Titans organization, former EKU linebacker, now Titans safety, Matthew Jackson. Matt, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Congratulations. How you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey. Man, this is Tighten awesome. This, that's right. Tighten up. Uh, this is the first time you've actually been on this segment. Uh, you've been on a local hour show several times before, uh, but now you're here for the whole world to see. And uh, man, I'm so excited for you. You've, of course, finished up EKU this year. Um, and uh, and signed with the the Titans following the draft. So I want to kind of start with with what you knew going into the weekend, draft weekend, and stuff like that. Um, what was your expectation, I guess, going into the draft weekend? Uh, my expectation was um, just to wait it out. I've had a couple of talks during that week with a couple of teams and stuff like that, and where they felt that I was, would be getting drafted at and stuff. So. Um, my, they said it like priority free agents the seventh round, and then I was just waiting the whole time. So I was kind of knowing I was going to be a day three type of guy, and um, 
I got a couple calls um, from some teams, and I just found me and my family and my agent talked, and it was like Titans is the best fit. So we chose the Titans. How does that conversation go when the teams are calling you there? Uh, I know typically it's you know towards the towards the end of the draft, teams start calling and saying, "Hey, we're interested. We 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 think we're a good fit." All that kind of stuff. How does that conversation go? Uh, with your agent and with your family trying to figure out what's the best situation for you? Well, it's kind of it's kind of rushed because um, if you don't make a decision, then they can either pass on you or they can just you you have to you have to kind of rush and choose. So we had to go through the teams that um, was interested in me and and like think about it. OK, well, I do have a daughter. How far do I want to be away from her? What's the next change of as far as when I get down there, do I know somebody that I can um, connect to real quick or will I have to start all over again and and find my own way? So with those two other teams that um, wanted me and had interest in me, I was like, uh, the Titans is a local home. And yes, I would have wanted to um, leave just to experience it, but we had to. We have to be smart about it and say, okay, well, you have resources here and you know the city, you grew up here uh, a lot, so we chose to stay. Yeah, and you did. You grew up in Middle Tennessee. Uh, they're in the area, of course, as well. And so it's, it's, it is returning home for you. Now, were you a Titans fan? I, I don't, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. Were you a Titans fan growing up? Were you a, 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 did you have a specific NFL team you cheered for? Um, so, uh, yeah, I was a Titans fan. I actually grew up right across the street from the Titans stadium. So, okay. like I said, I used to wake up on Sundays and hear Chris Johnson scoring touchdowns. Like that, that was the era of him and just hear the loud cannon boom and, and mm -hmm. see all the Steve McNair's, the Eddie George's and stuff like that. And yeah, I was, I was a huge Titans fan. I had some other favorites, but I, I, I love the Titans. Yeah, I know it's funny. The so you're a fair amount younger than me, um, and it seems like now people, maybe even younger than you now, they they're more fans of individual players than they are of teams, mm -hmm. and so they kind of follow players where they go. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's just different than, than how I was raised. Yeah. Uh, but um, so you know, we talked about this before, and maybe not everybody heard it, but obviously you played linebacker in college. Uh, you're transitioning to safety. Um, at least that was the plan the last time we talked uh, here as you're working out for the NFL teams. And there goes my light. Um, and, uh, and things like that. So how is this transition, not just to the NFL, but even in position, how is, how is that going so far? Well, I can credit um, my coaches that were at, at EKU. They kind of set me up for a great position to move to um, safety. So playing that hybrid position of uh, nickel kind of set me up to understand, okay, run fits and how offense online tendencies are and how QB tendencies are. And overall, being a great tackler helped me will help me be a, a great safety. So um, I know my IQ has to be a little bit smarter, a little bit more disciplined playing safety because I'm the last line of defense, but um, kind of being able to understand where everybody fits around me as far as what a safety really supposed to do and direct stuff and be more vocal, that's kind of um, my strong suits already. So um, I, I credit uh, Coach Johnson at EKU and Coach Wells and Coach Day and those uh, guys up there for um, actually putting me in the best position for me to be more versatile to play all these other positions that I'll be playing. So, 
Yeah, I you know it's funny. I was this this year. Um, you were you were injured a little bit this this past season, and I I could tell a noticeable difference when you were on the field and when you weren't. Your speed and athleticism it, it was above and beyond. Not knocking the other guys on the field, but it was different when you were on the field. You stood out uh, on the field, things like that. And then you had your workout numbers at your pro day. I mean, they ranked up there with the the top combine numbers for safeties this year too. How encouraging was that for you to see your work come through, at least in the numbers? Well, it, well, I credit also um, where I trained at. I trained at um, X3 in Nashville. So those guys took me under their wing. I knew a couple of people that was there working out with me. Actually, TK and Sewell was actually working out with me too. So us being a family over there and then getting the necessary things that I need to have for a pro day. And, and those numbers just was accredited to what I was doing and training. So you just had to be consistent. Um, after season, um, I had to rehab, recover, and then start training. And I know it's a long process and some people tend to relax and stuff like that, but we just we just kept on uh, the driving the driving seat and kept going. Yeah. Now what did you learn in let's do the last let's just do under coach Wells and his time at EKU. What did you learn in those years that prepared you for this moment? Um I learned like to stay true to myself. Um it, with with all the stuff that will go on in your life, you just gotta stay true to yourself, stay true to your your faith, stay true to your your keys and your motivation. Um, I do this for my daughter. I got I got a little girl. Uh, she's two, so I know what's my why. You gotta always understand what's your why and why you do things. And, and everybody has to have a, a key why, or you will lose yourself, or you will tend to drift off into realms and other things that you don't need to get into. So. Um, that relationship that Coach Wells instilled instilled in me, like just make sure you know who you are, make sure you are who you are every day. Um, one of his core values: be who you are <laughs> at all times, like on and off the field. So yeah. Now, of course, TK McClendon, he was your teammate at EKU. He got signed as well by Tennessee. Did you have any other connection with guys that are there in the in the program? Um, at Tennessee, at at the Titans, yeah. Well, I did the local day there, and I had um, a pretty good connection with some of the coaches there. But as mm -hmm. far as players, I didn't really um, know anybody um, that I either played with or knew there also. So, Yeah. Uh, so somewhat of a new – even though it's at home, uh, somewhat of a new setting at the same time. Of course, it's a whole new job. Um, and it's just beginning, right? This is just the, the beginning of the process. Yeah. I actually trained with um, the last draft pick that the Titans had, Colton uh, – Colton um, Dow, yeah, I trained yeah. with him at X3. He's a uh, former UT uh, Martin guy, so yeah. I knew him, and I trained with him. Um, so, yeah. Now, I was looking. The Titans drafted only offensive players. Mm -hmm. uh, and and so when you're looking at – how quickly did you look at the depth chart at Tennessee to see who's there, who's on the roster, who am I going to have to beat out? Did you, did you do that right away? No, nah, I mean – yeah, it, it, it comes to light. My agent had kind of like a little booklet of who of the former teams that wanted me and had interest in me who were at that at that position and stuff. So yeah. um, I necessarily didn't really care about that because, I mean, once I'm a Titan, we're trying to move up to the to the goal of winning games. I mean, right. I won't be here next year if we don't win games. So it's all about winning games and, and, and producing. So no matter where I'm at on the field, either if I'm at corner, I'm at nickel, I'm at safety, if I'm a gunner on on, on punt, we're all trying to move to a collective um, goal and one mindset of winning. So, 
Now, me and my dad were talking about you um, before the draft and everything, and I said, this kid is going to make a phenomenal special teams player. Like, if he gets on a team, he's going to he's gonna be able to make some money on special teams because you got the speed, you do tackle, um, and and from what I know of you, you you're willing to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Um, so when you look at special teams, you played some special teams in college, of course, mm-hmm. as well. Um, when you look at that opportunity, how how big is that in your mind of knowing, hey, when I get in there, it's not just playing safety. I've got other ways to to make make myself known here. Well, it was really huge because, um, like, when people was following me, they understood that I started on special teams in college. Like, mm-hmm. I I was a special teams player for about three years until Wells got here, and that was kind of my role. So, understanding my role and being like, okay, that I'm I'm on special teams, and I know I I could be playing. But I have to pave the way, and I have to wait my turn. And when I wait my turn, Wells got here, and my my career panned out for what it was. So, um, just knowing that, okay, yeah, I'm a rookie. I know I'm have to be on special teams. I know I'm have to do that stuff. It doesn't surprise me because I'm I'm used to doing that. So, yeah. it's just that willing to. Yeah, exactly. And you can make a really good living as yeah. a special teamer in the NFL. Um, and and uh, I know that's that's something that you can definitely stand out in. As well. So, what's the process now? What 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 are you up to? Um, what what's your schedule looking like in the days to come? Um, so, we report next Thursday. Um, right now, we're just doing meetings, position meetings, and stuff. Learning the Titan way, learning um, how to speak all the Titan and stuff. Just knowing because everybody's different now. It's not like um, it's back back to the ground zero. That's what yeah. somebody's telling me about. It's like you're. This is your last rookie chance. I was like, I hate that I gotta start all over again. But this is your last. This is your last rookie test. So I was like, I gotta honor that. And and yeah, so we just starting back to ground zero. And uh, I got my playbook, and it's kind of like it's a, it's a little little thick. A little now. thicker than college. Yeah, a little thicker than college. So I'm like, I gotta make sure I'm um got my head on straight. Yeah. Uh, now, have you have you met with Coach Rabel yet? Oh, uh, at the local day, I had met with him at the okay. at the end of the local day. So me and him talked for a brief like fifteen to thirty minutes, and um, he was just drilling me of like questions and stuff like that. And then we got a, a better connection. So, but uh, at the local day, he was kind of talking to me, coaching me up, and I was taking good um, coaching and stuff. So that made him want to learn learn more about me, being from a small school, and him not really necessarily me being on his radar of draft picks and stuff like that. He he was more invested in trying to build a connection with me. So. Um, I'm in this better position. So that's what the coach was saying at safety. It was like, we got you for a reason. So, hmm. yeah. And that's awesome. Now, you know, I think through like, okay, Coach Rabel, you know, he obviously had a great NFL career. Yeah. Um, and then he's been pretty successful as a coach so far as well. Yeah. Now, obviously, you had you had coaches and teammates that had varying degrees of, of experience and, and, and different knowledge and all that kind of stuff. But you're getting into a place now where you're going to have guys standing next to you who've been playing in the NFL. You're going to have coaches who played in the NFL, um, guys with some legendary stats, guys with Super Bowl rings. Uh, you know, I mean, can you ever – did you ever dream of that, like being next to guys with Super Bowl rings? I did, but it's still, like, surreal. Like, yeah, just, just stepping into the facility and just like, okay, now I am a Tennessee Titan. It's just, it's just an abundance of joy. Like, I'm just like, oh, I'm shocked. But – I got to also live in like, okay, well, I'm here for a reason. So now I got to play to being, like, I got to act on that certain level. I got to have a certain uh, level of professionalism and know where I'm at. It's not like I'm coming into a room where this person came from. Like, 
I, I gotta respect respect the um my peers and stuff like that. Respect the yeah. Um, yeah, it's a rookie in the NFL is different than a freshman in college, yeah, <laughs> right? So you're still professional. You're still out there doing something, something for a living. And man, I'm I'm telling you, man, I'm so excited for you. Uh, I watched I watched every single pick on draft night, hoping hoping to be able to shoot you a message and congratulate you. And as soon as I saw you got signed, man, I was so pumped for you. And I know the opportunity is something you worked really hard for, and uh, and and man, you deserve it. And uh, you know, I, at some point, I'm going to hit you up. Honestly, I mean, I'm going to need those autographs. Uh, but for now, man, we're just going to, we're going to sit on the sideline and cheer you on. And, uh, and I, like I said, man, I'm so happy for you. And anytime you're back in Richmond, you got to let me know. And, uh, and we got to catch up. But, uh, and like I said before off air, man, if there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. I I mean, there's nothing I can't, but if there is ever anything I can do to help you, please let me know. I'm so happy for you, man. I know your, your family's probably super stoked. You're, you're close to home too, right? Yeah. Um, if I had a chance to put a number of how many people were like, I got to get tickets. I got to get tickets now. We were probably sell out uh, the Tennessee Titans Stadium. Of how many yeah. people like, I need tickets. I need tickets. And I'm just like, well, we, we got to wait. It's a process. That's right. Three-man roster. I got to make press squad. I got I to do this. So it's That's not right. solidified, but, hey, we got we to gotta take it step by step. It's baby steps. So. That's right. And you have an opportunity, which is the most important thing. Um, now, do you have a number already? Oh, no, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, you gotta get through that that early process and everything in there, and then as the next step goes, the number will come. So, that's if I had a chance, I think the thirty three is still open, so I might have to carry that on. I might have there to carry that on. The thirty three is open. <laughs> well, as you carve your way into this to the Titans uh, organization and onto the ball field, uh, you always got a fan in me and a friend in me as well. And I, I just man, I hope the best for you. And uh, and again, dude, I thank you for coming on this show. I mean, I know you're big stuff now. Uh, so th- thanks, nah. thanks for taking some time for me, man. I'm still, I'm still old, Matt. I'm still old, Matt. Ain't, ain't <laughs> that's where everybody be like, you're like, you're, you're famous. I'm, no, I'm not <laughs> a local guy. I just, I just understand these streets a little bit better than the people are coming here. That's right. Well, Levis is gonna have to hit me up for 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 drinks and stuff. <laughs> He's not gonna know the ropes. He's gonna have to that's come right. here. That's right. <laughs> well, Matt, again, man, I appreciate you and and a huge congrats to you. And we're looking forward to cheering you on. They're going to keep up with you and and uh, and just uh, all the way through, man. Uh, like I said, you've you've always got a fan in Vince, and and uh, I'm I'm here for you, uh, supporting you all along the way. So so congrats, dude. Good luck, and uh, and we'll we'll see you down the road. Yes, sir. Appreciate that. Thank y'all for all having right. me. Have a good one. Tighten up. We'll see you, man. Tighten up. Tighten up. <laughs> <laughs> That's Matt Jackson again, former EKU uh, uh, linebacker, current. Tennessee Titans safety as well. Uh, welcome into the show, Dad. Hey, Dad, how you doing? Good, doing good. Looks like I have had a great time. Boy, you got a big NFL guy on tonight. So uh, you, sports tone is right there, no doubt about it. That's right, man. I love Matt. He's always been such a uh, an encouragement to me and uh, so kind to me in his time here at EKU as well. I'm so happy for him and excited, excited to see what he does now moving forward. And uh, an opportunity there on the Titans, like I, I was telling him, Dad, I, I looked at the draft, and they, they only drafted offensive guys. So that's opportunity arising. And, uh, of course, there's guys on the roster. But uh, great opportunity for him. T.K. McClendon, too. Congrats to him, too. Another EKU guy. They signed on with Tennessee and uh, excited for them and, and what's ahead for them. So, um, But, hey, Dad, we haven't talked a whole lot since uh, NFL draft. 
Uh, anything stick out to you uh, in the NFL draft this year? Well, you know, it was interesting. We had talked about whether there'd be as many trades, and they set a record for <laughs> trades in the draft as far as the entire draft is concerned. Yeah. And, um, you know, we knew the first round would be kind of crazy, and, it, you know, it, it was that way with, um, you know, not knowing, you know, definitely some surprises. Um, <coughs> the Lions provided a couple of those, but um, – you know, um, but, but again, a lot of the players, you know, wasn't anybody too extreme, just some a little bit earlier. Uh, seemed like a lot of teams helped themselves. You know, we felt like they could in this draft because there was a lot of talent. Yeah, let's talk about Detroit a little bit. Um, or no, before we get there, let's talk about the Texans. They had the number two pick. There was a lot of scuttlebutt about what they were going to do at number two. They end up taking C.J. Stroud and then immediately trade up to number three and get Will Anderson. So they get, I'm assuming, two of their top three players on their board to start off this draft. You're talking about a young team that needs to build, needs building pieces. Um, did you like what the Texans did at the top of the draft? Um, I did. I, I thought that was wise from there because, like we said, they need people. And when you're in a situation like the Texans, it's not just needing bodies. You need people that are going to contribute and contribute for a while. And, you know, you and I both like C.J. Stroud. I think he will be a good quarterback. You know, they'll need to handle him correctly. They'll need to get an offensive line, you know, if he's going to play a lot um, from there or he's got to be durable. I mean, Joe Burrow was durable, but he was still got hurt early on, you know, with a need of offensive line there. But I think the defensive guy should be a real key. Anderson should be a real help. And um, I think the Texans, again, I, I think that coach is, you know, brought a lot of energy there. And I think that their draft, you know, showed they were headed in the right direction. And they drafted a guy in the fifth round that I absolutely love, Henry Toa Toa, who was at Tennessee and then transferred to Alabama. They got him later to help with the defense as well. And you're right. I, I think both of us agreed on C.J. Stroud, thought he was the second best quarterback in the draft um, and and was surprised with all the talk that saying Houston was going to drop out of the quarterback race there. I thought, man, that just doesn't make any sense for what that team has. And uh, But they ended up getting two, two top guys in Stroud and Will Anderson as well um, and making things exciting at the top of the draft uh, for sure there. Uh, what about Will Levis's drop, Dad? Um, you know, I texted a friend of mine uh, after Indianapolis picked Richardson, or maybe it was after Seattle drafted Witherspoon. I texted my friend and I said, Levis is in trouble. Um, you know, and then he got by Tennessee and I was like, oh my goodness, the, where is he going to go? And then he gets out of the first round completely. Now reports are saying Tennessee tried to trade up into the first round to draft him and were unsuccessful. Uh, so they had to trade up in the second round to get him. But, um, you know, I think had we we didn't do the over-under game this year uh, pre-draft on things, but I think had we said quarterbacks four and a half, both of us, or three and a half, both of us would have went over on that, assuming at least four quarterbacks, if not five, were going in the first round. Only got three in the first round, and Levis was the one that had to fall. What was your thoughts on Levis's fall? Well, you know, we had talked about, we you know, didn't feel like he was going to necessarily be um, – you know, a, a great quarter. It, it didn't surprise me that he didn't go early because, again, I thought Richardson would go there at Indianapolis, which he did. Um, but, yeah, I, I, the, the fact that there was only three quarterbacks in the first round, I thought people would 
Um, I think it'd be a reach, but I thought people would go up to get at least, um, you know, Levis and, and possibly Hooker too, or maybe even Hooker ahead of him. Um, but, um, you know, uh, they ended up. They ended up, you know, getting in spots where we'll see how they do. But I don't know that they will uh, make anybody sorry for not drafting them earlier. We'll see. Yeah, my player comp for Levis was Ryan Tannehill, and I just my philosophy all along was I don't see him ever being a, a Peyton Manning type, but he could have a really solid career in the NFL. But you don't want to take that at number four or number two or top ten if you're getting that. You want to second round is a great great spot. And if you think about it, Tennessee getting Peter Skaronsky in the first round, uh, that's going to help Will Levis's career, having a solid offensive lineman like Skaronsky up front but to a team that lost offensive linemen either through cutting them or free agency in the offseason. And, uh, and so that was, that was important for Tennessee, and they were able to add offensive line help first and then add the quarterback in second. Um, and so so I think that was a, an interesting play for sure. Um Let's see here. Uh, of course, Carolina, they went, we we all called that one. Everybody knew it. Bryce Young was going number one. Uh, they get him. They add receiver Jonathan Mingo from Old Miss in the second round as well. Um, let's talk about Chicago because we love the knock on Chicago. And we'll talk about Detroit in just a second, too. But Chicago, they go Darnell Wright in the 10th pick overall. They actually traded down one spot uh, to allow the Eagles to go up and get Jalen Carter. They bring in Darnell Wright from Tennessee, the offensive tackle, going in front of several other offensive linemen. Um, so were you surprised Darnell Wright went that high? And do you think it was a good pick? Um, yeah, I, I think it was a good pick. Um, you know, w- whether he would have been, you know, the second um, guy or not, I don't know. But, um, I, yeah, I think it was a good pick. I think he's a solid offensive lineman. I thought the – I didn't know how those top four offensive linemen were going to go, and I think they could have really went in just about any order. Um, so, I, I again, I think, you know, for size and position, if that fit where they needed to be, um, you, you, you know, you always need solid offensive line. I'm not sure the Bears, you know, don't need a lot of help, and I'm not sure they couldn't have at that spot. They might have helped themselves more, maybe with a defensive player or someone else. But um, you know, again, I think he's a you know he he's a good pick, and he should have a good career for them. Yeah, Paris Johnson, the first lineman off the board at six to the Cardinals, followed by right at ten to the Bears, Skaronsky at eleven to the Titans. And then Broderick Jones, uh, Steelers came up and got him at 14. Everybody assumed the Jets were going to draft him at 15. Uh, the Steelers jumped up and got him at 14 and secured him. And then actually a fifth offensive lineman went, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma, went to the Jaguars all the way down at 28. The Jaguars in desperate need for offensive line help with a suspension to one of their best offensive linemen uh, just a week or two before the draft. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was an intriguing, intriguing, in, uh, way to see how those offensive linemen fell. Let's get to Detroit though, dad. I love Detroit's day two draft, but the day one draft, the first round, it just didn't make any sense whatsoever. So the lions are sitting there at uh number, where were they at? Uh, number 12. And uh, they traded down 
yeah. uh, from from six to twelve. That's right. And and uh, they drafted the running back out of Alabama, which blew everybody's mind because I heard that he was going to go in the first round, but I was thinking in the lower twenties. Um, he goes number twelve to a team that signed David Montgomery in the offseason, had Swift on the roster. Of course, they ended up trading him to Philadelphia. But Jameer Gibbs, I mean, number 12 overall, that seems a little little bit like a reach, doesn't it? It does. It, it, it definitely does. Um, he Again, he may be a good running back, and he may end up being good, but the question will come, couldn't have they got him later? Right. Um, Definitely later in the first round, and I, I think they probably could have got him in the second round, um, you know, potentially there. So I, I don't know that he had a lead enough talent that you had to get him there, not with other things they could use. Um, you know, they were a surprise, and both, both they got two good players in the first round. It's just neither one of them were probably necessarily first-round people. Um the linebacker might have gone if they hadn't have taken him, but um, you know, Maybe. Uh, yeah, D- Detroit was definitely, I think, the the little bit of the head scratcher of the first round um, to see, you know, what they were doing. And again, I, I I don't know about their organization or their head coach. It seems like you know they're very confident. They finished up strong at the end of the year, and boy, they've got everything going. But I I don't know. You know, sometimes people want to prove they're smarter than everybody else. So we'll see if that, if that works for the lions and uh, being in their division, you know, I hope it doesn't. So we'll see. (laughs) Yeah. They on their depth chart right now, Derek Barnes, uh, drafted 2021 fourth rounder uh, out of Purdue is that middle linebacker. Jalen Reeves may, uh, was drafted in 2017 in the fourth round. They get two guys this year, Trevor Nowoski, which nobody knows. Jack Campbell, though, listen, I had him projected as a first-round pick, um, but there were so many players on the board at that time when they picked again in the first round at pick 18. It just seemed like Campbell just didn't make sense. Felt like a reach at that point, too. But then they come around to the second round, Dad. Sam Laporta, who was my favorite tight end in the draft. I knew he wouldn't go first, but he's the one I wanted the Packers to get. Brian Branch from Alabama, the safety, I had him as a first-round pick, and everybody I saw had him as a first-round pick. And so had you taken Brian Branch at pick 12 or 18, 12 would have been a reach for sure, but at 18, nobody would have batted an eye. Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell, Gibbs, like you said, Gibbs would have been available at 18, I think, and uh, and maybe available into the second round also. Uh, but I love what they did on day two. Sam Laporta, tight end out of Iowa. Brian Branch, safety out of Alabama. Hendon Hooker, quarterback out of Tennessee. Roderick Martin, Western Kentucky D lineman as well. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about him, but we like Hendon Hooker. We're fans of his. Um, I thought Brian Branch, I thought the Packers should have drafted Brian Branch. They traded with Detroit so Detroit could get Brian Branch, which was rare also. Um, and then Sam Laporta, I have a feeling Sam Laporta is going to be a pain in Packer fan side for many, many years to come. I uh, hated to see him go to the Lions too, but I, I guess overall, I think the Lions had a good draft, but man, Jameer Gibbs at 12 seems like a, a, a really, really big reach for them. 
Yeah, I, they, they definitely did. So um, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I, I didn't really look and see all the grades and how everybody graded it. But um, that one, you know, didn't make a lot of sense. When I yeah. saw that first pick, I, I I let out a yell and thought, oh, my goodness. So <laughs> let's talk about Green Bay real quick. 13 players drafted. Um, I was really hoping for Matt Jackson to get drafted here or sign on here after the draft. Did not happen. But um, Lucas Van Ness, the first pick at number 13 for Green Bay. He's going to be an edge rusher. Um, I like him. I would have rather had Nolan Smith from Georgia. Um, but Van Ness was in this this great area for me as well. Um, overall, what's your thoughts with the first pick that Green Bay had? Oh, I, I think Van Ness was a great pick. I think we, you know, when you saw who was there, again, I think they might have been looking offensive line, but I think the guys they were interested in was gone then. And um, so Van Ness makes sense because I think he can play inside and outside. Um, you know, he may start outside, but again, um, you know, Packers like to move people around a lot. And he's a guy that I think, you know, again, he's a young guy and uh, didn't even start for Iowa, but played a lot. That, they had a different system a little bit from what I understand, but was really highly ranked in the Big Ten. Um, I think he'll be a great prospect. I think he can move around inside and out, and he's got great size. Um, so I, I, I think it was a really, a really good pick with who was available at that time. Yeah, I mean, Broderick Jones was there. I thought that could have been a helpful pick. Um, like I said, I was for Nolan Smith, the Georgia linebacker. I felt he had more versatility than Van Ness uh, did. But, um, again, I'm not disappointed, I guess. It's just he wasn't my top pick of who was available. Um, I even thought cornerback was a possibility. Christian Gonzalez was sitting there, too. I thought, my goodness, they could have the best defensive backs in all the league if they go out and get this kid. Yeah. Uh, wasn't an area of need necessarily, but could have helped. Second round, they go out and get their pass catchers, Luke Musgrave and Jaden Reed. Musgrave, the tight end from Oregon State. Reed, the receiver from Michigan State. Third round, they got Tucker Kraft, another tight end from San Diego State. Of all the times the Packers have hit on second round picks, I feel super comfortable with these guys. Now, they haven't always hit, but to me, this feels like pretty safe picks in Musgrave and even Jaden Reed. And I can't say I know a ton about Jaden Reed, um, but – when the Packers draft a receiver in the second round, I'm always going to give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> How'd you feel about the pass catchers they got in the yeah, second? Well, round? It looked real good. You know, I, I, I felt like they were going to take a tight end there first. And all of a sudden three tight ends went off the board real quick and didn't know where that was going to go. But I think Musgrave is a great, you know, like I said, I've read a lot about that. And of course they got him because he had had an injury, but he was back, you know, at the senior bowl uh, and went through, um, everything. He's got great, great potential. Um, you know, he's a great pass catcher, I think could be a really good weapon. Um, and Reed, boy, they're really excited about him because he gives a little bit different dimension uh, than, you know, Dobbs and Watson have. And um, he's very physical. He's not real big, but a very physical, catch a lot of contested balls. He's a punt returner and um, a lot of speed. So um, I think, you know, it, it gives them some options, jet sweep, a lot of things. Um, I think it frees up, you know, what I read was he just a, a, a totally, can play in a totally different spot than Watson and Dobbs can. 
Um, so I think that there, and then I think the tight end in the third pick makes a lot of sense too, because he is really solid, you know, from a smaller school. Um, but, you know, uh, everybody likes to use two tight ends. Uh, people are very skeptical, you know, kind of rookie tight end. That's a hard position to step in and play a lot. So uh, we will see. But um, I, I think I think they made pretty wise picks. Um, you know, the fact they traded down <coughs> and then took Kraft might have been a little surprising, but um, I think they were comfortable. They picked up a lot of picks because of that and added some good players, I think, later on because of that. Uh, both the tight ends are good size, 6'6", 253 for Musgrave, 6'5", 254 for Tucker Kraft. I think they're two different kinds of tight ends. Plus, you got Josiah DeGuara, who was drafted just a couple of years ago out of Cincinnati, that's on the team as well. He's a blocker. He can catch the ball, but he's known as a blocker, uh, more or less. They get Cody Wooden in the fourth round from Auburn. That's going to be a good addition to D-line. Here's the pick I didn't like, Dad, Sean Clifford, the quarterback out of Penn State. Nothing in his college career made me go, yay. I mean, even though he's only going to be a backup and would only ever see time if Jordan Love gets injured, I just – I knew they were going to draft a quarterback. Tanner McKee out of Stanford went after them. I would have rather had him. Um, I, I I have to admit, Sean Clifford's a guy that I look at and go, I really wish he wasn't on our team. <laughs> Any thoughts on the quarterback uh, there, Sean Clifford? Well, I'm a little more positive about that <coughs> than you are, mainly because I just – I trust the coaches. They brought him in. They talked to him, you know, they felt like everything after him was going to be quite of a drop. Um, you know, again, he's going to be a backup quarterback, but I think they see some potential, you know, um, he's got some age, he's got some athleticism. And um, again, he beat out Will Levis for the job at Penn State. So if that was worth anything at all, but um we will see. Um, I Again, you know, he's the backup quarterback. I feel, You knew they were going to take one. I probably feel a little better about him than him taking somebody in the seventh round. Um, I think he has more potential there than that. And uh, so we'll see. Yeah, and again, beating out a guy in college isn't the end all, uh, as Joe Burrow got beat out uh, and then went on to win a national championship. Uh, Will Levis got beat out and went on to be a second-round pick. Clifford, a fifth-round pick. There's a reason for that as well. Uh, but uh, real quick, I know not everybody listens to us are Packer fans, so we won't spend any much more time on this. But I'm looking here, Dad, at the wide receiver group for Green Bay. Uh, you got two guys drafted in 2022. You got two guys drafted in 2023. Two guys signed on as free agents in 2023. Uh, then you got a guy uh, – sorry, three guys in 22 – uh, as drafted. So this team has zero veteran presence in the wide receiver room right now. Do the Packers go into the season as is, or are they still going to bring in someone as a veteran at some point? Um, everything I hear, even with a couple different positions, are going to start and see how it develops. I would not be surprised if they bring in a veteran if they can find the right guy. And it may have to be a trade. Um, I don't know. I don't think it could be somebody like last year, um, you know, that was a little more of a project. I think it would have to be somebody that they know um, is a veteran receiver and can help these guys um, along. I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in somebody. But like I said, they got a lot of talent. They have a lot of speed, a lot of young guys there. And um, 
you know, the thing that's a little different about Green Bay is they're so strong in the running game. Should yeah. be strong on the offensive line, strong in the running game. Both both the running backs catch the ball. Um, so it's going to give Love a lot of flexibility, give LaFleur in the play calling a lot of flexibility. And um, so, um, yeah, we'll see. I, they may not bring in anybody else. I wouldn't be shocked, but I don't think they'll bring in a veteran. I think it'll have to be somebody that can provide leadership and really have some experience. The name that I've heard a lot last year, and obviously it never happened, is Tyler Lockett from Seattle, a uh, veteran guy, a uh, very good wide receiver. He could come in, be the number one, uh, allowing Christian Watson, Dobbs, uh, Reed, all these young guys, a chance to just fill in roles uh, while also giving the quarterback a solid veteran experienced guy. Because uh, Love needs, yes, the running game is good. He needs dependable wide receivers. And as much as I am, I like Watson and Dobbs, Man, you got to have someone dependable there for sure for your young quarterback as well. Um, I don't know if Tyler Lockett's the guy or not. He's not a free agent. It would, it would be a trade. Uh, but that's a name I heard a lot connected to the Packers last year. And uh, we'll see. We'll see if they do end up bringing in a veteran. I think they should, uh, but we'll see if they do. Um, who do you think had the best draft? Um, I didn't give you a fair warning on this, so I'll go first. Uh, but think through that, who who you think the best draft. For me, it's Philadelphia. To me, it's clearly Philadelphia. I think other teams did fine. I think Vegas did fine. I think Pittsburgh did well. I like what Buffalo did as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, Philadelphia comes in. I think they get a player that most of us really liked in Nolan Smith, and they got him uh, at the end of the first round. They're able to trade up to number nine to get Jalen Carter, who people have graded as the best player in the draft. And we know there's a motor issue there. But again, it's the perfect spot for Jalen Carter. He's got veteran guys on that line that can help him and teach him. Plus, he's got a million Georgia teammates on that team, too. So he's in a really good spot. Nolan Smith gets drafted at 31, uh, a steal, I think, of the draft as well. Keely Ringo, another Georgia guy in the fourth round. I had some people putting him in the first. I had him as a second-round guy. Uh, he goes in the fourth round. They get a backup quarterback in Tanner McKee in the sixth, as well as other guys throughout the time there. Um, an Alabama offensive lineman in the third round and Tyler Steed. So um, who do you think had the best draft? Well, it's funny you said that because I looked at that a little bit before we came on, and Philadelphia is definitely who I would have said. I think they did a really good job, you know, moving up to get Carter. Still a little surprised that Chicago moved up, you know, with them on that, but um, um, being able to get, um, you know, to get him was good. And like I said, Noah Smith, um, that was a great pick, and I, I think they did well all the way down the line. Of course, you know, they had two picks. Um, you know, some other teams, I think, did well. I think Cincinnati probably made a good pick with Murphy. He probably dropped a little bit, could have gone a little earlier there. Um, I think Tampa Bay made a real wise pick with the defensive lineman out of Pittsburgh. I think that um, was solid um, there. Um, you know, a couple, a, couple, a couple teams, I think, really made some mistakes. But okay. um, I think they, you know, I think they did well. Or Seattle, a great pick with Witherspoon, no yeah. doubt about that. And um, so I, I think that was good um, too. I, I, I guess was, Seattle got the wide receiver. 
Seattle had two good picks. Yeah, they did. Um, you know, and I was looking through, I think most teams did well in the first round. Uh, it's where you get to the rest, not all of them, but most of them. And then the way you get to the rest of the draft that you got to figure out kind of what happened. I like what the Giants did too, Dad. Uh, they got Deontay Banks, the Maryland corner at 25, which I had heard him going higher than that. They get a, a center at, in the second round, Jalen Hyatt in the third round. And I'm a huge Jalen Hyatt fan uh, as well. Eric Gray in the fifth round, a running back. He had time at Tennessee. We saw him a lot at Tennessee, transferred to Oklahoma as well. So I think they did well as also. Now you said some people with bad picks, so let's go there. Who who had the worst draft? Um. Well, of course, we've already talked a little bit about Detroit. Um, I really don't think Dallas did well in the first round. I think they they reached a little bit on a guy there, and um, I, I don't think they did well. And I, I'm I don't think the Jets did well. Um, again, I think they were surprised. Maybe the guy they wanted, you know, somebody moved up ahead of them. But you got to be able to handle that. Again, they got a good player with McDonald. But I think that was probably a little early. Um, again, you know, they they need they need people there. So um, uh, those two, I, I don't think did did super well. Yeah, Dallas was an interesting one. I, I think time will tell on them. Or obviously, it will with everybody. I think when they when they called out Smith's name, everybody was kind of like, huh? But um, he had a good college career, and and there's potential there. They get their tight end in the second round, and I think they would have drafted tight end had Buffalo not jumped ahead of them. I think they should have drafted tight end uh, Michael Mayer, but they did not. Um, they get their tight end in the second round with Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan as well. And they had one of the coolest stories of the draft, Dad, in the sixth round, Deuce Vaughn running back out of Kansas State. His dad works for the Cowboys. Uh, it was a super cool video to watch. Dad balling, uh, you know, just getting the – have a chance to be on the team that drafted his son. You know, there's already enough emotion in your son getting drafted uh, then for it to be coming to the same place where you work. That was really, really cool also. Um, I think the worst draft, Dad, was Miami. Now, granted, they didn't have as many picks as most people. Uh, they had uh, four picks in, in there. Uh, they get Cam Smith out of South Carolina, the cornerback, uh, the Texas A&M running back. Uh, and to me, they just didn't get better in this draft. And anytime you have a draft, no matter how many picks you have or when those picks come, you've got to get better. And I don't think Miami did that. So I would mark them down as probably the loser of this draft. And there were others that didn't have great drafts. But like I said, Detroit, I hated their first round. I loved their second round. So, you know, hard to knock them too much on that. Um, my uh, New England didn't shock us in the first round. I mean, Christian Gonzalez fell to him at 17, and they got him there. Keon White, who we both liked out of Georgia Tech in the second round. So they had a good top of the draft as well. Uh, they also drafted a kicker and a punter uh, in this draft. Uh, first time in a long time for anyone to do that. Minnesota gets Jordan Addison, the, the receiver out of USC. We knew that they needed someone uh, there to help out in their offensive side of the ball as well. So. Um, I had a blast though, watching the draft and, uh, let's talk about Indianapolis real quick. We haven't mentioned them yet. Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida. You and I both felt like, man, I just, I don't see it. Um, but he's in an interesting situation. They've got Gardner Minshew who can start and he's at with a head coach who's worked with Jalen Hyatt and Justin Herbert. 
And guess what? Those two quarterbacks had success. Um, so are we trusting the Colts coaching staff? Um, are we trusting the talent of the quarterback? Or are we not trusting any of those things? Um, well, I think it's a combination. You know, the coaching staff, like I said, they've worked with quarterbacks that were similar. And Richardson has got a lot of, um, you know, he's got a lot of raw athletic ability. So we'll see. I'm not sure that was, I mean, unless they would have just not taken a quarterback, I think that was the right pick for them because uh, they have Minshew and they'll have a chance to, you know, bring Richardson along. Um, as it works there. So um, I, 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 you know, I, I wasn't surprised by that pick and I'm not sure it, it was a bad one at all. All right. Again, time will tell with all these picks. We'll never know the truth until it happens. Uh, we can all guess on things, but anyways, uh, a place kicker got drafted in the third round by San Francisco. Like I said, New England drafted one, the Packers drafted one. Uh, plenty of kickers going in this draft, which is always interesting as well. Um, I had one bold prediction that did not come true. Uh, I predicted that by the end of the draft, Denver would have drafted Max Dugan from TCU. The Chargers ended up with the quarterback um, to pair with the receiver they drafted in the first round. But in the seventh round, uh, the Chargers picked him. So I failed on that one. My mock draft didn't do well. Dad, you did you did well in your mock draft, though, this year. So congratulations on that, uh, on that as well. It's it's always fun uh, come draft season, uh, for sure. Uh, we're running out of time, so let's take a quick look over at Major League Baseball. Unless you've got something else to add in the NFL, anything to add there? No, that's that that's fine there. Okay, uh, so let's go to Major League Baseball real quick because there is a massive surprise. Uh, still active in Major League Baseball, and that is the Pittsburgh Pirates. 20-10, and 10, they lead the division. They're, they're a game and a half up on Milwaukee as of this broadcast. Um, this is a team that is not supposed to be good, Dad, and yet <laughs> they're doing all right. They're tied with the Braves, uh, same record as the Braves in the, in the National League. And, by the way, they are, I think, the second-best record in the league right now. Pittsburgh Pirates, for real or eventually going to fall? Um, I mean, I think they're for real as far as being improved. Where they're going to hold or not, I don't know, because they've even had a fairly major player injured early on, and they've yeah, still well, done well you know, with a lot of players. So um, <clears throat> part of it will depend on their division. You know, the Cardinals have not done well yet. So will the Cardinals get stronger? And then you've got, you know, the Brewers there. That could definitely be a problem. But like you said, they don't play, um, you know, the division quite as much this year. Um, I don't know. We'll see Pittsburgh will hang in there. I know on our uh, preview before the year, I did think Pittsburgh would be better than the bottom. Now, I can't say I thought they'd be in first place today. But, um, you know, we, we will see. It's been interesting in fantasy baseball um, actually starting to look at Pittsburgh guys. You're right. Uh, I'm looking right now to see um, over under for Pittsburgh was 67 and a half. I went under. Um, they're already at 20. They're a third of the way there already. So um, <laughs> that's the, what's more surprising, Pittsburgh at 20 and 10 or St. Louis at 10 and 20? There you go. St. Louis at 10 and yeah, 20 is crazy. 
St. Louis is, you know, not done well, but you, we would think they would rebound again. I heard um, your baseball show this week, and like I said, I guess the pitching staff has been kind of decimated there. Um, so we'll see. Uh, they not just decimated, they just stink. <laughs> They've been horrible. Uh, in the AL East, they had the Yankees are last place, and they are over 500. They're still last place, eight and a half back on Tampa, who had that crazy fast start. And the Baltimore Orioles, by the way, uh, have yet to hit 10 losses. They're at 20 and 9 as of this broadcast. But that Tampa, Tampa has a 106 point differential, scoring 199, uh, only giving up 93. That's just crazy. How's Tampa this good with their whole situation? The fans don't even show up in Tampa. How, how are the Rays this good of a baseball team? Yeah, I'm, you know, um, we'll see. It'd be interesting to see when we get the all-star game. But Tampa started out hot. Again, you know, the Yankees are down, but they are over 500. So anytime you got teams over 500 here early on, you know, they're still, um, you know, very good potential, um, you know, from that standpoint, no doubt about it. So only one team in the AL Central is over 500. That's the Minnesota Twins, the Cleveland Guardians, are three games back. The Detroit Tigers are five games back. Um, the Tigers have actually been respectable this month as well. But the Twins uh, are in the early lead in the Central. A lot of people picked the Guardians to, to win that division. I know we're early on in the season, um, but I like what the Twins are doing. They could be something worth watching in the postseason. And then to add the AL West, the Astros are struggling. They are over 500. Uh, and they're still not healthy, and they actually got hurt. Pitcher got hurt this week as well. Um, the Angels are just above them, and the Texas Rangers leading the division. They've put up a ton of runs this year uh, so far to start, to start the season. Do we think the Rangers are going to be able to pull out the AL West, or do we think that Houston is going to catch up at some point, or L.A. for that matter? I would think Houston would catch up, and L.A. is playing better. But, boy, Texas Texas has definitely been a surprise, but I don't know that they have the talent to hold up. Um, I wouldn't expect that one um, as much maybe. Um, some ways I might give the Pirates a little more chance to hold, hang in than I would the Texans but we're, or the Rangers, but we'll see. Well, I mean, it all comes down to DeGrom staying healthy, and if DeGrom stays healthy – the Rangers are going to be really good. And if DeGrom is going to miss 40 weeks, then they're going to be really bad. So I, I exaggerate with 40 weeks, but you get the idea uh, there as well. All right, Dad, uh, anything else you want to chat about? Uh, NBA playoffs have been going on. Um, we, I, I mean, I don't, you know, when it comes to the NBA, I don't follow it as much as I used to. And I try not to talk about things I don't know about. Um, but, it's been a really weird start to these playoffs, Dad. The uh, uh, just where we sit right now, uh, Philadelphia and Boston seems like it's a really good series, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I'm all into Lakers, Warriors, or uh, who the Heat, Heat and Knicks. Uh, so I don't know. Any thoughts on on your Boston Celtics? Um, we'll see. I mean, I hope they'll get through this by the Sixers are supposed to. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been kind of a weird, you know, NBA season, but, uh, probably hopefully after this round, it'll kind of take shape. So, 
Uh, the other playoffs going on are the NHL, and I know you don't keep up on that a whole lot, but that's what? really been surprising. What's the, NHL? the what top is that? team in the East and the top team in the West are both got defeated in the first round. The teams that upset them both won their first games last night. So, um, you know, it's, it's really going to be wide open, been some really good hockey games, no doubt about it. Yeah, I saw, was it Florida and Boston? Is that the big upset? Um, I saw that happen with game mm-hmm. seven overtime. Is that correct? Yes. And and then Seattle um, knocked out Colorado. And, um, and like I said, Seattle and Florida both won their first games last night. Yeah, Florida, as you always know, it's a, it's a hockey state. Uh, so you got to watch out for those Florida teams. Uh, Dad, your Celtics are currently leading by 12 as of this broadcast. They're down 1-0, though, in the series, losing to a Joel Embiidless uh, 76ers team the other day, which is very, very embarrassing. Um, okay, uh, anything, anything else we need to add before we go? No, I don't think so. Like I said, it was a great interview you had. I heard most of it with Matthew, and good luck to him. And uh, it's been a good show. Yeah, a huge thanks again to Matt Jackson. Um, I talked to him several times while he was here at EKU. Had him on our Sports Stove Local Hour. He's always a great interview. And uh, I gave him a day after he signed before I reached out to him. But I shot him a message and said, hey, man, any chance you'd be willing to jump on Wednesday night? He said, yeah, man, I always love doing your show. I was like, all right, sweet. And uh, I love talking to him. I'm so excited for him. And uh, and big, big good luck to him as he uh, – uh, reports on Thursday and uh, works on making that team. And he, he's he got a role there. I'm excited for him uh, for sure. Uh, so thanks to Matt Jackson for coming on the show. Thank you to our sponsors, Righteous Felon Jerky. Uh, make sure you go to RighteousFelon.com. Use that promo code BELLYUP at checkout. You get 15% off your purchase. Thank you to Belly Up Sports and their support, our net sports network that we're a part of as well. Dad, thanks for coming on uh, today again as well. Uh, no local hour this week, so there will be no podcast on Friday, uh, but we'll be live on Sunday night for the Sports Stove Fantasy Baseball Show, 8 p.m. on the Sports Stove YouTube or Belly Up Fantasy Facebook, and always available afterwards, audio version, wherever you get your podcast and find the Sports Stove Podcast. And then me and Dad will be back here again on Wednesday night as well uh, to talk about all the latest and greatest sports news. Follow us on social media at Sports Stove on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stuff.